Hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin, JMJ Catholic Radio, bringing local and EWTN Catholic programming to Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania. Welcome to the In the Father's Hands program with host Mary-Kate Grady. And Mary-Kate's guest today is John Martinoni, Director of the Office of the New, New Evangelization for the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama, where he lives with his wife, Janelle and their four children. A revert to the Catholic faith, John is founder and president of Queen of Heaven Catholic Radio in Birmingham. And Birmingham, as we know, is the home of EWTN Global Catholic Radio, and a great many of our listeners will have heard John hosting EWTN Open Line, a live call-in radio program in which he defends the faith eloquently every Monday afternoon. And John is also the author of the book Blue Collar Apologetics and the founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, an apologetics and evangelization apostolate that reaches tens of thousands in the United States and 70 countries around the world. And we're honored to have him with us today as a guest on Mary Kate's In the Father's Hands program. Mary Kate? Thank you so much, Jerry, and as always, we're so glad to be back with you all again this week, and especially during this Lenten season. Uh, It is my hope and prayer for each one of you that you experience the love of our Heavenly Father for you in a very special way during this holy season, and we're, we're praying that it's just a blessed time for you of spiritual growth and enrichment, and um, I always like to mention this, if I may, um, that during the season of Lent, we try to pursue prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And if I could put a little plug in for JMJ Catholic Radio, as far as the almsgiving goes, uh, JMJ is so important in helping us to keep growing in our faith, learning about it, and um, just can't put a price on what it does for us here in the Diocese of Scranton. So if you're able to save a little something for JMJ, especially during this Lenten season, uh, you can go ahead and give them a call at 570 287 4670, or you can also mail in a donation at JMJ Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 851, Pittston, Pennsylvania 18640. Let us begin with our verse from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10, where Jesus tells us, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And always keep that verse on your mind and in your heart throughout your week, especially if you're having a hard time and feeling lost, forgetting you know, who you are, where you're going. You, you belong to the Father and you're in his hands. So let's never forget that. And I'm so excited today to welcome on the program John Martinetti. John, thank you so much for coming on today. Mary-Kate, my pleasure to be here with you. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited, John, actually, because several years back, a good friend of mine gave me one of your tracks to listen to, and uh, it, was, it was so great. It was, um, it was just very down-to-earth um, you know, ex- explanation of defending the faith 
and I just loved it. And so it's really exciting to have you on because I've listened to that tape over and over again. But now I get to talk to you in person. But I well, feel like I already go. know you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Being, having been on the radio for 17 years, wherever I go to talk to people, they say, well, you know, they come up like I'm an old family friend or something. You know, they, right. they know me they through the They've heard your voice. They're yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you know me, right? I listen to you in my car. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. So. John, I love to start off with asking a kind of a difficult question because many people have multiple favorite verses, but would you share with us one of your favorite Bible verses and why you like it so much? Well, I, I, I'm going I'm to have to give you two of my favorite okay. Bible verses. First one is from Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14. And it, it is, uh, and let me read it so I get it exactly right here. It is strive for peace with all men and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And that's one of my favorites because doing what I do, I, as a Catholic apologist and evangelist, I'm always talking to people about the faith, either to Catholics to teach them the faith or to Protestants and others to, to explain the faith to them. And this one, strive for peace with all men. In other words, there's something that we have to do to do this. We, we can't just sit around and do nothing and have peace. We have to strive for it. And it says to strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So if you start at the end and go, for, and, and go backwards, well, how do you see the Lord? By being holy. How do you be holy? By striving for it. I always tell people, I say, evil is easy. You can fall into evil. You can turn on your computer, your TV, walk out your door, and you can be involved in evil. Holiness, you have to strive for it. You have to work at it. You have to, you have to make it, you have to make a conscious effort to be holy. You cannot fall into holiness. And so... That's one of the reasons I, I love that verse is because, number one, it tells you how you see God by being holy, but then, then it tells you you've got to do something for this. You've got to work for this. Uh, and then the other verse that I wanted to mention is, is from John chapter 6, verse 51. Again, being involved with apologetics and evangelization, a lot of times Catholics know that well, we, we go to John 6 when we're talking about the Eucharist. And Jesus right. says in verse 53 and following, eat my body, drink my blood, eat my flesh, drink my blood. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink, etc. And, and a lot of times Protestants will say, well, he's just talking symbolically. And then, you know, recent surveys show that a lot of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. Like something like two-thirds of Catholics right, don't believe in right. the real presence in the, in the Eucharist. So I tell him, I said, okay, everybody's pretty familiar with, with the verses where he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. But a lot of times they'll skip over John 6, 51, which leads right into those verses. And in John 6, 51, it says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so anyone who thinks that, that the Eucharist is, is not Jesus' real flesh and blood, that, mm -hmm. that, and that Jesus is speaking symbolically when he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, 
I asked God, I said, okay, let's look at the last few words here. He says, the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so I asked God, I said, when, when did Jesus give his flesh for the life of the world? 100% of the time, the answer is on the cross. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so was the flesh on the cross real or was it symbolic? Mm-hmm. And everybody who does not, who thinks Jesus is speaking symbolically, I get this deer in the headlight look because right, right. they realize, oh wow, um, yeah, if, if, if I'm saying Jesus is speaking symbolically when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, well, then I have to be saying that he gave his symbolic flesh for the life of the world and his symbolic blood for the life of the world, not his real flesh and blood. You can't have it both ways. It's either all symbolic or it's all real. And so those are the two verses because, you know, holiness and the Eucharist, uh, you know, one leads to the other and, and they're intertwined and the Eucharist being the source and the summit of our faith. So that's why I really love John 6:51 as well. Yeah, something uh, about what you're saying there, that really disproves the point of taking Scripture out of context, right? You know, Absolutely. We're, we're just looking at a verse or two here and there. That 6:51 sets the stage for 52 and 53, um, but you've got to read all of it, right, for yes. it to come together. So. Yes, and, and you have to stop and think because you're... And I've had people who say, well, John 6:51, what he's saying, what he says... Uh, the flesh that I will give is, is he, he, what he's saying is, well, you just need to believe in me, and you'll be saved. And I, then I'll ask, I said, well, so when did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that flesh real or symbolic? Oh, it was re- real. Oh, okay. So he's yeah. talking about his real flesh here, not his symbolic. Well, uh, um, well, why do you worship Mary? You know, or something. You know, yeah, they, yeah. they try to yep. they try to get out of it real quick, but yeah. the light bulb goes is, off. Oh my goodness! Exactly, exactly. But you've planted a seed because you've shown them. You know, I, I never say I prove something from scripture, but you have given them heavy, heavy evidence for the fact that Jesus is speaking literally in John six about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Mm-hmm. The beautiful thing about the work that you do, John, is you pursue questions to their furthest end, so to speak. So, you know, you, you might not just take something at face value. You know, uh, I work in a hospital, and when something's wrong with somebody, you can just say, oh, well, you know, geez, that's too bad. I'm not really sure what's going on. But, I, like, a good medical person is going to pursue all the avenues to figure out what's going on. So when it comes to Scripture and the faith, I think a lot of times people are content to not pursue any any depth into it, um, but they're missing out on so much by not pursuing it. Absolutely, and and I tell them I well I was just I was giving a presentation at a local parish last night, and I and I told them I said we have to ask questions of people who are are questioning our faith. I mean I tell them I said it's good to have your faith questioned so that you can go and examine your faith and figure out why do I believe what I believe, you know, and why does the church teach what it teaches? It's a good thing to have the foundation of knowing why. I I tell people all the time, Catholics all over the place know the what of the faith, but they don't necessarily know the why. You know, Catholics know that the church teaches contraception is wrong, for example. Right. Uh, How many of them could tell you why? 
Very right. few. So if you yeah. can't tell the, if you don't know the why and can't explain the why, well, it's very easy for someone to, to knock you off of your game and say, well, the Catholic Church is teaching on contraception. You know, it, it's not worth a flip because, hey, there, there's no reason for that. And if you don't know the reason, well, then you're inclined to, yeah, yeah, I don't need to believe that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and use your faith as well. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's the mm-hmm. first step towards the door of the Catholic Church, going out the door of the Catholic Church. And so, um, yeah, the why is so important. So last night I was telling this group of people, I said, let's, let's take a few verses and do exactly what you said. Let's, let's take them out to their logical end. And again, here, here in Alabama, we're 3 to 4% Catholic. So we get a, tons of questions from, from Baptists, Evangelicals, Church of Christ, and I love them. I, I love these people <laughs> come up who are trying to save my soul. And I tell Catholics, I say, you should never get angry at somebody who's, who's questioning your faith or even attacking your faith because they're trying to save your soul. And they're showing you the love of Jesus Christ by mm-hmm. being concerned about your soul. Now, they're misinformed, and there's a lot of ignorance in, in what they believe about the Catholic Church, but they're doing it for the right reason, even if they have bad information. So always right. keep that in mind. So, but I, so, so a lot of the stuff that I do is focused on Protestant theology. And so I, I told the cat, I said, Let, let's go to one of what I call the pillars of Protestantism. Salvation by faith alone. You know, that, that was Martin Luther's cry. Uh, you know, we're saved by faith and faith alone. And so I asked the group last night, I said, do you think love has anything to do with your salvation? And everybody's nodding their heads. I said, well, okay, now think about it. What's the problem with salvation by faith alone? It, it, it leaves love out of the equation. Right. I said, I said, right. I said you don't have to be a, a Ph.D. in theology to, to figure that one out. Right, right. I said, faith yeah. alone means only faith saves you. So I told him, I said, you can literally, what that's saying is you don't have to love God. You don't have to love your fellow man. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and you're saved. And I looked mm-hmm. at it, I said, do you think that's in tune with the scriptures? <laughs> and, and that's how easy it is to explain the faith and to understand the faith and to understand other people's positions in the faith. But like you said, you have to take it out to its logical conclusion. Right. Faith alone leaves love out of it. And that, that just can't be if God is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and speaking about love, I'm just kind of wondering here in your own life, John, how have you seen um, God's presence and his love in your life? How has he guided you? How has this journey of what you've been doing as an apologist, how has it led him, led you closer to him? How, how have you seen his presence in your life? Well, it's generally, and, and I, I would assume, Mary-Kate, you'd probably agree with this, uh, but generally when you're in the thick of something, you don't necessarily see God's hand sure. moving and working in your life. But afterwards, you look back you, and you go, oh, wow. God was there, and he was there. I mean, he's there the whole way, but specifically you can say, wow, he really moved there, and wow, he really did something there. Um, But there's a few times where I could say, um, well, I was out of the faith. I I grew up Catholic but never really learned my faith as a kid, went off to college and left the faith when I went off to college. 
and I was out of the faith for 13 years. And what started me back to the faith was I, I, I had been working in the defense industry as a cost analyst, finance is my background, and I decided I'm going to leave the defense industry, go back to school, and get a Ph.D. in finance. And so I went for a year to the University of North Carolina uh, to work on this Ph.D. I, I did one year, didn't like it, and left. But the very first day I was on campus, I was assigned an office because I was a graduate assistant. I was going to be teaching a class. Well, this office was a huge room they called the bullpen, and 13 people had their office in this big open room. So I just randomly picked a desk that was backed up against a, a bookshelf, and I literally started going down the bookshelf because it was all these old books on there from finance, economics, statistics that previous students had left behind. So I go down, I pick out a few books. Well, maybe this will help me with this class. Maybe this will help me with that class. The bottom two shelves are blocked by the desk. And this was this old 1940s oak, solid oak desk. It weighed a ton. So I, I, with great effort, I moved it out a couple feet from the bottom two shelves. And there was one book on, those two, uh, on, on the two shelves. And it was covered with a layer of dust probably three or four inches thick. So it had been there for years. And I scraped the dust, uh, dust off, and the book was called The Normal Christian Life, a little mm -hmm. paperback book. Okay. Uh, it was by a, a, a Methodist minister, Chinese, Watchman Nee. You know, like I said, all the other books are economics, finance. Here's this, The Normal Christian Life. So I thought, that is so odd. So I took it home. I said, well, yeah, well I'll read it. You know, and I read it that night. It's only about 110, 120 pages. The whole book was on the book... Uh, the letter of Paul to the Romans. Okay. And I thought, wow, that was pretty good. I, I want some more of this. So I walked into the bookstore on campus the next day, went into the Christian section, not knowing what I'm looking for, not having any clue, because like I said, I've been out of the faith for 13 years and was never really catechized in it in the first place. And this book catches my eye, and I said, well, I'll get this one. It's called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. You know, which is Christian apologetics. Right. Well, I read, I read that book, and that started me on the path back to the Catholic faith. I kept reading, I read more C.S. Lewis, and then this bookstore had On the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales. It had the <laughs> Confessions by St. Augustine. It was the best-stocked campus bookstore I've ever seen wow, in my I was life. Say, I've never heard of such a great one. <laughs> I, I know. It, 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 so, so at the end of the year, I left the Ph.D. program, but I came back into the church. And, and I look back, and it's like, wow. I mean, in essence, somebody left that book there, I don't know how many years ago, for me to find. Mm -hmm. I'm like, God had a plan for that book and, oh, and for me. And, and so that's just one instance. And, and that, you know, launched me on a, a path that brought me to Birmingham, which another God incident where I heard the last few seconds of a radio program right before I turned the key off in the ignition of my car. Uh, and I heard the program, I heard a phrase that immediately identified it to me as being an anti-Catholic program. And I turn it back on. I, I, sure enough, the Catholic Church is the end-time religious political system that the Antichrist will use to take over the world. Mm -hmm. I thought, eh, it's kind of over the top. So I called the radio station to complain. 
one thing led to another, and several months later, I ended up with a Catholic apologetics program live one hour every Sunday evening on the largest evangelical radio station in the state of Alabama. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and literally uh, just a few seconds difference, uh, and, and I would not have ever heard that program. And I wouldn't be, and that led me to where I am now. And I wouldn't be talking to you right now today if it hadn't happened. And I look back and said, "Well, that's God moving," because I didn't do any of that stuff. I never planned sure. to be a Catholic apologist or, or evangelist or anything. I wanted to be a finance guy, you know. Right. And so, yeah, God has moved in in many and varied ways throughout my life. You know, it's funny when you mentioned way back in the beginning of the program about how we have to struggle for holiness we don't fall into it and i was thinking about the irony when you found that book you had to move that heavy desk you know there's always ah. a of, there's always a little bit of work there for holiness yes you know? yeah you had to you had to work to find that book yeah that desk was heavy i can still remember today i mean solid oak it must have weighed 300 pounds it was it was massive so but that's a i, I like that i like what you did there yeah no and um, so, I, you know, at, as you being a Catholic apologist, um, what would you, would you, sh- would you share with us, um, like maybe say for somebody that's, um, you know, maybe kind of like in a, in a similar spot to you, they, they were raised Catholic, but, you know, they weren't really taught the faith, they don't have a, um, a deep understanding of the faith, and maybe they want to do certain prayers or read a book that can really help kickstart them in the right direction. Do you have any recommendations for that? Well, what I did is, um, well, a couple things. If, if you have questions about your faith or you wonder, well, why should I do this? Why should I? There, there's a book out there, it's, and depending on, on your personality, you know, some people like to hear stories. Some mm-hmm. people, you know, so they're heart people. Some people are head people. I, I, I want things explained to me. I, I want to be able to research. And, and so for the heart people... There's a book out there. It's a collection of conversion stories uh, called Surprised by Truth, uh, put together by Patrick Madrid. And each chapter has a different conversion story, a different person, and they're struggling with a different um, article of the faith. Like mm-hmm. one person might be struggling with, uh, well, what's all this stuff about Mary? You know, so there's mm-hmm. that conversion story. Another person there... What was keeping them out of the church is, well, what's this with the Pope? Why do I have to listen to this guy in Rome? What's going on with that? So it was that conversion story. So there's that book. Um, for people who are, uh, maybe they're Catholic, and they say, yeah, I'm going to stay Catholic, but I don't really understand some things. If, if I may engage in some shameless self-promotion, I've got a new book out recently. Right ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, it, it's called Blue Collar Apologetics. Okay. And, and the subtitle is How to Explain and Defend Catholic Teaching Using Common Sense, Simple Logic, and the Bible. And each chapter is, is again, it's, it's on a different topic. One on Mary, one on the Pope, one on Purgatory, one, one on the Eucharist, one on Confession, etc. And it just uses the Bible, common sense, simple logic to explain these things. And, and so... You know, and you can get that at EWTNRC.com, uh, which is EWTN's religious catalog. So EWTNRC.com, and it's called Blue Collar Apologetics. Um, for, for people who are more prayerful, there's, 
two books that are just absolutely powerful. Like I said, I, I got um, when I was searching and on my way back to the faith that year at North Carolina, uh, the Confessions by Saint Augustine. Just, I mean, wow. yeah. yes, it's just a beautiful story of a man who he knows something is missing in his life, but he's not sure what, and then slowly he finds his way back to God. God, God he feels God drawing him. And, but, but he's so human because there's a, the one passage in there where, where he says uh, God, his prayer was, God, make me holy, but just not yet. You know, I, I still have some things I want to do. You know, it's like, oh, how, how typical is that? You know, yeah, absolutely. Don't take my fun away. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then he realized once he he became holy, once he found God, that there, oh, it's so much more joyful with God than anything you can do without God. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other book that I found that just absolutely blew me away uh, was Thomas Akempis, The Imitation of Christ. And, and I love that book because it's, the chapters are one or two pages long. And so you can read it, the chapter in the morning and, and think about it and you know, just kind of let it sink in as you go out throughout your day and then read it again that night before you go to bed. And it just, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful testament to, to life. And, and the thing is, is, if you read the Confessions, which was written in the, what, early 5th century, I think, the 400s, and Thomas Akempis, which was written in the 12th or 13th century, you realize human beings are the same all throughout history. Technology changes, but human beings are the same. And we have the same struggles, the same desires as, as people... 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and, and they can overcome these things. They did overcome these things. We can, too. And so it's, it's very inspiring, these books. It's, it's, you know, they're very prayerful, and, and they, they really right. help you to lead to discovering more, really, about yourself and about God. But, uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. We're actually almost out of time here, but I I really appreciate having you on and, and sharing those stories of, you know, of God's providence in your life and your, your favorite scripture verses. And, um, you know, what, um, uh, if people wanted to contact you maybe with questions, John, how could they do that? They can go to my website. It's BibleChristianSociety.com. Uh, don't, don't get them mixed up because Christian Bible Society is a completely different website. <laughs> BibleChristianSociety.com. There's a contact us page, and I, I have people sending me questions all the time. Or they can sign up for my email newsletter. I've got about 50,000 subscribers now. It's absolutely free, and you can do that at that website as well, BibleChristianSociety.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, John, and God bless you. Have a wonderful blessed of your Lent with your family, and um, on to a joyful Easter. Well, thank you, and the same to you, Mary-Kate, and to Jerry as well. Thank you so much. God bless John, and God bless you all. Uh, We'll be with you again soon.